Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Get a 25 to 30 minute delay. Southeast Dallas eastbound 20 before 45. Accident there has just cleared, but the delays remain. Good day for road trip, huh? I think that this is the worst possible day we could have picked, says the guy behind the wheel. All right, so we made it to West. We're stopping the check stop down here to get some kolaches. Uh, I got my eyes on the maple nut twist and the um, ham and cheese and jalapeno puff. And the two sauces. Guys, lured us in today. (laughs) Couldn't pass you by. Have a good day, guys. All right, so we finally made it to the cloakroom. I, I don't know how in Texas, I've been here 20 years, I've covered the legislature off and on for 20 years. Yeah. I've passed by the place, but I've never been down the steps into this subterranean bar. It is a cool place. It's a dive bar. It's it open to what, 2 a.m.? Yeah, and I, I used to live here in Austin, and I've never been here. This is my first time, and we've got Melissa with us, and they say that you pour an incredible drink. Absolutely. But you know real you know, real stuff's getting done down in here. Yeah, sure. You let it happen on the periphery. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Vegas, I guess. What happens at the cloakroom stays, stays at the cloakroom. Cloak room. That's great. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey, everybody. Quick detour, though, on our road trip to Austin because we want to hear from you. Early voting is already underway for the Texas primary. Super Tuesday is just two weeks away. And so we're opening up the phone lines because we want to hear from you. Uh, do you have any questions or concerns about Super Tuesday or a campaign or a candidate? Let us know. 214-509-8156. Leave us a message. You may be on Yolitics with us in the next couple of weeks here. 214-509-8156. Let us know what you're thinking about Super Tuesday right now. All right, back to our road trip to Austin. All right, we are sitting down with one of the state leaders. We have uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton with us. Thanks for doing this. Well, Jason, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, Jason and Jason. The Jason and Jason. It worked well just saying Jason. Yeah, Yeah, knock them out with one. We like to be efficient here on the (laughs) podcast. Uh, So we are at the cloakroom in Austin, and I've never been here before. Uh, I've probably been by this place a thousand times. It's below street level which I love any place below street level. Just on the west side of the Capitol. So I would guess over the years there have been some things that happened in here. You, uh, there are certainly stories. You, you, <laughs> you, you've been in here before too, right? I, I, you know, oddly enough, it's right across from the Capitol. It's also literally, you know, steps away from my office. I've only been here once. I came here to get a state rep who we needed to vote, and he was here. When you were in the legislature? Yes, this was in 2003. So it's a popular place for, for lawmakers during session. Apparently. So you didn't come down here to get to the watering hole. You came down here to find somebody you needed to cast I came a vote. here to get a vote. 
<laughs> did it win? Uh, I think it did. We did needed it? we needed a very close vote, and we needed his vote. And you needed and you knew where to find him uh, right down in here. This place we, gets hopping. We had a good theory on where he might be. Nice. <laughs> we That's are drinking great. Shiner. You have to have a Texas beer in a Texas tavern like this, right? We're, All three of us are doing this, and I I think uh, General that you might have convinced me on something that I never thought I would do, and that is putting an orange in a Shiner Bach. It's a new, actually, it's a new one for me. I, I typically will put it in like a Hefeweizen. Yeah. So I thought I would, she offered it up and I thought we'd try it. This is sacrilege, guys. It's good. Is it really? Yeah. I don't know. Surprisingly I'll, good. I'm going to go sans orange today. <laughs> hey, uh, General, let's talk about a lawsuit you just filed. Texas is suing California. That's correct. This is not the first lawsuit we've had against California, but we just filed one on Monday, and and we filed it directly in the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's where it has to go when states sue states. Yes. It doesn't start at the district level. We don't have a pellet. It goes straight to the top. And tell us what this is about, because a few years ago, California enacted a travel ban against Texas and said because of some... Uh, what California perceives as anti-LGBT legislation that Texas passed. It was House Bill 3859. 59. Mm -hmm. And California said, we're not going to allow any state-sponsored travel here. Yeah, so it was actually their statute that caused the problem. They they have a statute that that discriminates against states that allow multiple organizations to do adoptions and do foster care. So in, in our state, we don't discriminate against LGBT agencies. But we allow all agencies to participate in the process. In California, you know, they can have their own laws about who they want doing that, but they also want to affect our laws. So they don't like the fact that we allow all types of organizations. They want us to discriminate the way they do. Okay, so just for people who haven't followed this very closely, when you say you allow all types of organizations, that includes, of course, faith-based organizations, yeah, like, which may have a problem with, let's say, placing a, a foster child uh, with someone who same is sex in a, a same-sex Correct. Marriage. So we don't discriminate against them. We don't require them to do it that way or not require them. We don't discriminate. California discriminates, and they want us to discriminate. So it's been, what, two or three years since California put Texas on the on the uh, no-travel list? Correct. So is this costing us money now? Why in the world are we uh, suing California? Well, so they've also done this with many other states, and so we've just been talking for, you know, the last couple of months, and we just decided this is crazy. It's unconstitutional. They shouldn't be able to dictate... Um, Basically, they shouldn't be able to affect our state with interstate commerce. That was one of the things that Washington talked about in our framers is that you don't want tariffs and restrictions among states. That's why we're a country. And once we start doing that, it's like California is treating Texas and South Carolina and, you know, the list goes on. Yeah, Tennessee, well, Kentucky, yeah, Oklahoma. Like like another country, like we're Iran. Mm. So how does this work then uh, if they will not allow official travel to Texas, uh, like they won't allow state-funded travel to Texas? How does it work if you all, let's say Texas wants to meet with them to talk about, you know, trade or any number of governmental things, what do you have to do? So we, I'll give you an example. We had this happen last week. We are supposed to have a, a meeting related to the opioids crisis with certain groups in um, Charleston, South Carolina. California couldn't go there. So they, they decided... South Carolina's on the list. Yes, on the list. So California so California said, no, we got to move it. So they were going to move it to Atlanta, Georgia. Well, California can't go to Atlanta. So they were going to move it to Nashville, Tennessee. California can't go to Nashville. So they tried to move it to North Carolina, and California couldn't go there. So then they were going to move it to Austin. California can't come to Austin. What so happened? They had to go to New York. New so York? Cal- California gets to decide where these meetings are at because of their law of their laws and 
that shouldn't be. Is this costing a lot of money? Because I, I, I suppose in the in the legal filings here, you're basically saying that this is costing this state. What what kind of money are we talking about? Well, we don't really know. We've done any economic studies. I mean, I, I actually accused the attorney general uh, of California of doing this because he didn't want people to see our state and move their businesses here. Because <laughs> that's what's happening. There have um, been a number of those. But, but this is, you know, you've got now Oklahoma retaliating. They've already passed a travel ban on California. That's not the way this should be handled. Now, if the courts say, yeah, it's fine, guess what? Texas is going to probably retaliate. I mean, that's what I'm trying to prevent is retaliations. So we're trying to get rid of these these crazy, almost like tariffs and rules that California is trying to dictate. And this is not unusual for California. They love to try to d- make the rules and pass them off to us. Mm-hmm. Didn't you tell me that you lived in California for a I, while? Yeah, I grew up there. My dad was an Air Force pilot, so I spent probably seven years there uh, growing up. And I, I, I guess you've got to know your counterpart there. Uh, the AG over there, Becerra, yeah, Xavier Becerra, Javier, Javier. Uh, hopefully, he didn't hear that on this. Uh, yeah, yeah this he podcast. would not like it if you mispronounced his name. Like <laughs> so, did you call him and tell him, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm going to be filing a suit against sure you"? Sure did. What I did you say? Um, I just told him we were filing a lawsuit. I thought we were going to win, and you know, I understood he would have to defend and that he would have to say whatever he had to say. And he said, "Look," he said, "I'm I'm fine with that." He said, "Don't be offended if I don't even respond." I said. No problem. Was but that a phone call or an email? No, I called him. Did you really? So this yeah. is a pretty icy relationship back and forth, or, or how does it work? No, we, I actually have a good relationship with the Attorney General of California. We just happen to disagree on some issues. Sometimes we're working together. Sometimes we disagree. Mm. You're, you're leading a lot of um, a lot of different lawsuits with attorney generals across the country. We see you on, on different cable news shows and you do interviews. You don't do a lot of these where you get to sit down with us and just kind of go unplug. So we appreciate that on the Yolitics podcast here. Uh, but one of the things you made a lot of news for was the antitrust investigation into Google. And you're leading, what, 51 attorney generals all across the country. That's correct. I mean, this is Republican and Democrat. Yeah, this is maybe the largest antitrust investigation that's ever occurred. And, mm. and the you're checking to see what Google is charging for advertising. Explain what's going on here. What is Google doing that you guys are looking into? So, you know, it's very complicated because what we see on the outside, you know, and what I always saw on the outside is, you know, the Internet's free, right? You, you search, it's free. And so we had many complaints, all really from businesses all over Texas, across the country, that, that, that Google was treating them unfairly. Google controls most of the advertising uh, on the Internet. They control uh, almost all of the advertising. And they represent the buyers, and they represent the sellers, mm-hmm. and they, have, they control the exchange. When they bought DoubleClick, they... They, so they know everything about the transaction, and they pretty much control the pricing. So they can keep ratcheting up the price. So pricing is actually pretty expensive for, for advertising, and that is all passed on consumers. So, yeah, you think you're getting free searches, but you're paying for it with higher costs of goods because these these advertisements cost more than they should. Well, too, you know, they, they, there's that old saying that anytime something's free, you're what's being sold. That's uh, probably a, a good statement. And uh, so you and, and I've read about this that you you don't have much trust uh, with Google. You don't use it at all. Uh, I try to avoid it. What mm. do you use? Well, so I try to use ones that don't track you. DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo is a good one. There's yeah. there's another there's, an, there's another one. I think it's called Start Page. So there are other ones that don't track you. But so I've been told that you know Google has an average of about seven thousand data points on all of us. So. They know more about you than you do, and they, that can affect healthcare decisions. They, they may know what your healthcare situation is, which you may not want to disclose. We have all these privacy laws, but 
you know, they don't apply to Google. Because you search for things that you would never talk about with anybody else. Exactly, and then they know it. So where do you hope this goes? Like, where could this go as you're looking into Google? I mean, this this could go a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't prejudge it because we don't have many of the documents back from Google. Now, also, Department of Justice, we're working in conjunction with them. They're also uh, researching this. They're investigating Google as well. And there are many countries. This is an international issue because we're all struggling with privacy issues and, and the fact that the, we have a company that is so dominant in the marketplace. So you haven't gotten the documents back from Google yet. Are they cooperating fairly well with you? They're slow, um, which they, you know, we had investigations by Mississippi and uh, Missouri that were several years ago. And Google in the past has been very slow to respond. They've made it very difficult to get the information. They try to slow it down. Remember, they've got they're a trillion-dollar company. They're larger than, you know, a lot of countries. Where, where does this stand now? Is it still in the investigative stage? Yes. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're seeking information. We have filed no lawsuit. Department of Justice has filed no lawsuit. Um, and we have other states that are focusing on different parts. We, we're focusing on this advertising. We have other states that are focusing on the, the, the search part of it. Um, so we have different legal theories that we're pursuing. In the end, depending on what you find here, could something come out of this that would affect the average person? Sure. I mean, it. it what we're hoping, it, we don't know what we're going to find, but the, re, the reality is if it is true that they have done this anti-competitively, that means prices are higher for consumers than they should be, then what'll, what it'll amount to, if, if the ultimate solution could be some type of divestiture of, of, of part of their company. So breaking them up. Potentially, that's the that's the that's the worst possible result for for Google. If that happens, then potentially consumers are going to see better pricing on on things that are advertised on the internet. Or this could end where you just go through some down some rabbit holes and realize that everything kind of checks out and that you got to back away. And that's one of the things I've tried to encourage Google to do. Like, hey, if you guys have a story to tell, tell a story. Don't try to hide the ball. If you really believe that you have not crushed competition and you're not monopolistic, then come out and tell the story. What have they said? They've been slow to respond. How many podcasts have you done, General? Uh, I've done a few. Have you? Yeah. Let's do a lightning round here. What's your favorite beer? Uh, Shiner. Shiner? That's an easy one. You're having it right yeah. now. You wouldn't prefer a Blue Moon with an orange instead of a Shiner with I an orange? I do like Blue Moon, but right now, Shiner's, it's, it's hard to beat. And it's a Texas beer. Something about you nobody knows. What's going on? What can you tell us? Some Something that I know. Well, that the public doesn't know. So Something about you the public probably doesn't know. Well, see, I, about me? Yeah, about you. Uh, I, I don't think the public until today mostly knew that I grew up in California. <laughs> now <laughs> we, they know. We, we broke that on the podcast. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Fa- favorite place to vacation? Is it California? You know, um, believe it or not, I, I enjoy going back to California. It's it's one of my favorites. Um, What's going to happen if the governor hears you say this? <laughs> I, I think the governor has a daughter out there. So <laughs> is that where she is? Yeah, she's going. To, she went to USC. This is going to be turned into an ad to keep yeah. businesses in California. Now you know, like that. it's a great place to vacation. California's a great state. It's just their policies are driving businesses out. California might use you guys in a commercial. You know, <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about the election for a moment. Twenty twenty election. We've heard Senator Cruz say that um, uh, the Republicans are really in danger. We've heard Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick saying you got to take this seriously to the Texas GOP. Is Texas at the threshold of turning blue or purple? I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think the uh, state there was a state house special election down in Fort Bend that was mm-hmm. sh- shockingly good. 
And so I think the Beto Cruz race affected us in, in, in a way that was unusual. I'm not saying we we don't need to work. We do need to work. We need to continue to work in in the entire state, whether it's urban, suburban, or, or rural. But I don't think we're about to switch. So why are they saying that? Do they do that just to get people to donate money? Because that gets people all riled up, like, what's well, going to go purple or blue? Hold on, let me get my checkbook out. Is that what they're doing? No, I'm, I'm sure some people do it that way. But the reality was... I mean, some of these races were close last time, but you have to look at the reasons for that. And the Beto Cruz race was, I think, unusual. And I think it had a dramatic infa- impact on, on all the ballot all the way down. Democrats think they're going to pick up a lot here, though, in 2020 as well. Are the Is it going to be close again, do you think? I don't think it's going to be as close. I think I actually think Trump is going to win by more than he did last time. And last time was closer than normal because of the Beto Cruz race, a lot of people say. Uh, but you think it's going to be a wider margin? I think it's going to be a wider margin for, for Trump than he had last time. What, what do you think about Michael Bloomberg? He's spending gobs of money in the state. I think he's going to continue to spend gobs of money. I don't think he's a likable candidate for the Democrats. He doesn't, to me, come across as that guy you feel kind of warm and fuzzy about. That being said, though, uh, they— Plus, they, his name is too long. They just— <laughs> They just put out these these polls the other day about you know who people think you know in head to head matchups with uh, with President Trump and Bloomberg did the best among them uh, even you know with the Democrats who've been you know sl- slugging it out yeah and look I could be wrong I'm I'm just saying I just watched him and he he he's you know he's a very wealthy guy he's been wealthy for a long time he comes across as a little bit of an elitist and he doesn't. I don't think he's going to connect to voters. I want to ask you, so you don't think that Bloomberg necessarily would be the candidate uh, who would give him the most trouble. Who do you think is? So if I think Biden's their best shot. Still? Still. Um, he's having he knows, a tough time, though. He's having a tough time, but he's leading in South Carolina. I don't, I've never thought he was going to win, I still, but he, I still think he's their best candidate. Well, why? Because he's, he's, a, he's got a more moderate view. He's likable. Um, he's got Name a, recognition, obviously. He's got 100% name ID. Um, he's got a lot of advantages. He's he's been very successful at winning races, and he's got a three-syllable name, which is good for is, winning. Is that, are you, you mentioned that twice. Are you serious? Does yeah, he, I have this theory that three-syllable names win. Really? Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. Um, Ken Paxton. Know, over, you know, my opponents. Yeah, well, you didn't have an opponent last. Well, you had a Democratic opponent. You didn't have a Republican I mean, opponent. Greg Abbott's three syllables. Dan Patrick is the lieutenant governor's three really? syllables. Well, maybe that's, uh, you, you know, maybe you're on to something here because well, maybe that's why he calls himself Mike. Mike Bloomberg instead of Michael. Well, you and I could never run for anything, Jason, because Jason. <laughs> no, he's got a picture of Bill Clinton. He, you know, so, so you're definitely putting Buttigieg way out of the, the running then. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not thinking he has a chance. <laughs> but three syllable names, really. I mean, I, I didn't I've been, think about it. Look, I'm, I've been watching this for 50. It's my own theory. Interesting. Huh. Well, uh, with it all... It correlates, in my opinion, it correlates higher than any other factor. That's pretty hmm. good. That's I'll, interesting. I'll remember that. Now for, I'm going to start studying ballots yeah, now. For my analysis in the future. I mean, look at the Texas... I just gave you three. Then you look at, you know, Glenn Hager. He's the comptroller. Three yeah. little names. Sid Miller. Ag. Three Greg Abbott. Names. Greg Abbott. Yeah. Patrick, but they also... But all of them also have R next to them, and I think that that matters or has no, mattered a lot No, but look at who they run against in the primary. Um, yeah. Like, I had two opponents. One was a two-syllable name. One was a five-syllable name. So really? Is your full name Kenneth? Uh, it's Warren Kenneth Paxton Jr. But did, Ken Paxton. Did you yeah. change it for that reason? No, I've <laughs> always gone by Ken Paxton. Uh, so you didn't make it three syllables for the race. No, I I literally thought about it. You know, fifty after I had been elected, I started noticing that three syllable names do well. Interesting. Hmm. Ted Cruz though, that's two. Well, but he ran against David Dewhurst. 
I can't tell you what's going to happen two syllable versus four. <laughs> we haven't studied that yet. No, no. I'm just saying See, I yeah. can't. There's no correlation between four and two. But the correlation of three is high. So the takeaway here is that Dewhurst should have gone with Dave. Dave Dewhurst. Dave, Dave Dewhurst. Dewhurst. Yeah. I, I tried to. What tell was he him. thinking? Well, John Cornyn too. If you look at that one, that's yeah. another good one, huh? Yeah, three syllables. We could Cornyn. we could turn wow. this into a whole podcast. Yeah, it's just this. <laughs> Let's just yeah erase the rest of our questions here and just go straight into that. And that's, you've never heard it anywhere else. I'm I have. the first person. You're to breaking say it. a lot of news for us, General. I Paxton. will say that is the first time I've ever heard that, but it is uh, kind of stunning as we go through. Well, the and names. I'm telling you, I have never heard it from anybody else. It's something I thought of. But yeah, before we get going, the the general mentioned because I asked him about texts, whether he gets campaign texts on his personal number. And you said you do. Yeah. You did. Yeah, from O'Rourke. From Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. And you don't know how he got your number. Mm-mm. And you did didn't you? stop it from happening. You didn't no, because out. I knew they were spending resources. They had people asking me questions, and I would just let them do it. Did you respond to them? Uh, I think I did. <laughs> it's been a while. I, but I, I, I figured they're wasting resources. Let them waste them on me. We're going to see a lot more of that this year. A lot more texts. You're yeah. already you're getting them. No, I haven't gotten any campaign oh, no this i've time. gotten none they're coming according to the expert we talked to hey speaking of president trump i've seen you uh uh greeting the president you've you've gotten to know the president yes uh, i have is that common for an attorney general to to have a relationship and get to know him you know like you have you've met him multiple times i've been around him a lot i'm unexpectedly surprised at my access um and how much i've been able to work with him and if i have issues how many times I've been able to convince him to, to side with us, sometimes in opposition to some of his own White House counselors. So mm. it's been refreshing to me. What I, what I like about his leadership style is, it, you know, so many presidents are so insulated, and I'm not going to mention names, but I can't think of one that I'd have access to as Attorney General of Texas. But Trump is not afraid to hear from all kinds of different people. And so if he trusts you and his gut instincts are amazing – you have you have a chance to he's gonna you can change his mind without twenty advisors stopping you. Well, but can you change his mind if he already thinks that he's gonna go one way with something? Have you been able to go? No, no, no. Look at this. Um, because there's been this criticism that you know he he won't listen to people. He won't listen to advisors once he decides something. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think I've watched him go struggle with issues, and I've watched him make really good decisions in the end. Mm-hmm. But I know he's listening to a lot of different people. And I've seen things almost sway a certain way, and then I I get another chance, and I've been able to sometimes. Does he help. have a nick, Does he have a nickname for you? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, not that you know of. Not that I know. Of. So, yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's all, well, yeah. Uh, some people listening to this might say, "Why? Well, well, you're the attorney general. Do you think the president's broken any laws?" I mean, I'm not aware of any. I mean, I I don't sit around analyzing. There's millions and millions and millions of laws. We're, you know, I guess you could find a law that you broke on your way down here, right? I, mean, I wasn't driving. Yeah. Yeah. There were it doesn't matter. If you've lived, you've probably broken a law. There's so many of them. So I don't I don't think what they accused him of was worthy of, you know, impeachment. Has there been anything that's come along that you wish he would have done a different way? You know, I, I handle myself differently. You know, he's a New Yorker, so he, he grew up differently. He's going to handle himself differently. You know, I wouldn't always handle myself the way he does, but I have tremendous respect for how he's done his job and the results and how it affects Texas, how it affects, you know, my role. I, 
I don't know how there could have been a better president in the last three and a half years. Let me ask you about Obamacare because you led, you've led this lawsuit uh, that it's still working its way through the courts. Probably won't be decided by the time we get to the election. It won't be. That could uh, do away with it essentially, uh, declare it dead basically. Um, do you think that there is is there first of all is there any pressure uh, when you're the one you know who has led that effort because could that put a little bit of a vulnerability uh, for President Trump as we go into this election because whoever meets him in the general is going to talk about the fact that you know there's not a plan to replace that and it's pretty popular with a, a good number of people well it is popular with some, but it's also very expensive, and it also is denied access. It hasn't provided the access. You haven't had the choice of doctors. It hasn't really fulfilled any of the promises. That You've got it was a million so- Texans getting their insurance through this, though. Right, but it's it's disappointingly, um, it, one, it's not financially sound. There's just a lot of problems with it. The main problem, and I think this is what drives them, is that it's unconstitutional. And once you open the door to saying Congress can tell you what to buy, I mean, where do, where do we stop? They can tell you to buy insurance. Well, now they're going to tell you to buy your house. They're going to tell you what car to get. I mean, where does it stop? They don't have the authority to do that. And so if we say, well, we kind of like letting them tell us to buy insurance, you, 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 there goes the slippery slope. But now, do you feel pressure there? Because, I mean, people love these pre-existing conditions, and, and Republicans are I love in the a challenge of it. where they've got to come up with this replacement. No, I love the challenge happens. of it because I think the states are the solution. I've told President Trump that. I think the states are the solution. Give us a chance. We, no. we will provide different types of options if Massachusetts wants to do Obamacare at the state level. Let them do it. I don't, it doesn't bother me. What, what I don't like about California, because now California is – here we are back to California – California stepped in to defend Obamacare because Department of Justice and, and Trump switched our side. Well, why does California need to defend it? They can go do their own Obamacare. No. California, this is typical of them. They want to tell Texas and every other state, no, we know what's best for you. We want you to do it the way we want to do it. And that's what they're trying to do with their, their travel ban. Their mentality is always, we know better than the rest of the country. And we're not only going to tell our citizens what to do. We're going to tell us the other the citizens of other states like Texas. I just don't think that's the way we want to operate. How, how often do you talk to President Trump? You know, I it seems like I end up talking to him about once a month. Do you really? Yeah, or see him. Usually see him, but sometimes I, you know. Do you have his number? Do you text him? I've had to call him. Like I had an issue that I needed to talk to him about, and I had my staff call his assistant, and within. I'd say three hours of that, I got a call back from her. She wanted to make sure I really wanted to talk to him. Within a couple hours, he called me. Wow. What's your uh, – uh, I was told that you might have a pretty good Trump story that may have, indul- uh, may have involved your uh, daughter. Hmm. What, what's this about? We were at Nellis Air Force Base. My daughter's now first lieutenant. She was a second lieutenant at the time. Where, where is Nellis, by the way? It's in Las Vegas. Okay. And so um, she was getting ready to be deployed to Afghanistan. And so I was meeting these guys. My wife, Angela, was with me, and, and we started getting calls from my staff, and I was ignoring them because I, I was meeting them, and I met her uh, commanders, a lieutenant colonel. And so ran into the restroom, knock on the door, and my daughter's out there, and she said, Dad, the president wants to talk to you. And I said, the President okay. of what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the president, the president. So okay. she takes me to this conference room, and I called the president back, his assistant at the time was Madeline, and she put me through to him and two other of his lawyers. And he brought up a topic, and I said, before we start, um, do you mind at the end, my daughter's a second lieutenant about to be deployed, and her commander 
uh, would you mind saying something to them at the end of the call? And he said, sure. So we covered our issues. My daughter disappears. I didn't know what she was doing, but she went back to her commander's office and said, sir, sorry to interrupt you again, but um, POTUS wants to talk to you. And he said, who? And she, he, she said, sir, the um, president of the United States wants to talk to you. And he goes, what do, I, what do you mean? And she explained, and he said, well, what do I say? And she said, sir, my father will be on the phone with you. It'll be okay. So anyway, she set him up, and sure enough, the president was very nice to my daughter and very wow. nice to, and you know. He That's did, a great story. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Wow. Huh. So, so he just pipes you into a call and says, I've got some lawyers here, and I need you to start talking to me about something does he ever bother you at dinner or anything like that you you and uh your wife the state senator are uh you know the most interesting time he got me i was about to jump in the shower <laughs> and they Jeez. asked they called and said you know can you can you talk to the president he's going to call you in the next 30 minutes and you're like as long as it's not a skype yeah. well yeah, yeah. so i actually i actually had just been running and i was trying to make a meeting and and uh so anyway, I said, sure. So I waited 30 minutes, no call. I waited 45 minutes, no call. So I'm like, man, I've got to get to this meeting. So I jump in the shower, <laughs> and sure enough, the phone, I see the you know the zeros come across. I know it's him. That Is that happen? what happens when the White House calls you? Mm-hmm. Zeros it's come across? Bunch of zeros. See, we Clear, don't know that. Clearly, I've never had a phone call from the White House. Well, at least for my phone. So you, so got, out, you got out of the shower, and you called her? No, I called her back, and then... Um, you called him back? You sent it to voicemail? Well, no, I know I saw the number. I knew okay. it was zeros, so I knew which number to call. I, I knew his assistant's number, so I called her back and said, hey, I'm sorry, Ms. Cod. I, I thought, you know, I was in the shower. Is there is there something that's you know, coming down the pike that we haven't heard of yet that you've been sort of starting to dabble into as far as uh, potential cases that we that we don't know about? Yeah, you told us about all these kind of breaking news here. What else can you break with us? Well, you know, we've always got things that we're, we're either beginning in the middle of or, or about to break. I mean, the travel ban is the, the most recent. You know, that, that didn't come out overnight, but... I'm not going to tell you guys what we're... Come we, on. No, because we're, I mean... We're a shiner here. Why not? Because then I'm committed to doing it, and I may not end up wanting to do it. Hey, hey tell me what's going on, uh, if you can, with the latest with your case, because it, it was in the Chronicle, or somebody did a, a story on it at the end of J- uh, January saying that you guys are trying to get it moved back to Collin County. Yeah, uh, so, where, where do things stand with that? This has been going on for five years. So it's securities, never gone to trial. What, two, two, two securities fraud charges or some and Three... Um, the, the reality is that case should have never been transferred to, to Harris County. The, the, the judge that transferred didn't have jurisdiction to transfer it. I didn't actually have jurisdiction over my case. And His term had expired. His what, term has yeah. expired. And so what we're saying is, hey, he had no authority to transfer when he did. It should be back in Collin County, which is – it makes sense. I'm having to travel you know, 250 miles from my home to go to hearings. Why, that's, that's not right. They were the – the prosecution chose the, the jurisdiction. I didn't. And they should be subject to the jurisdiction. And this idea that somehow they can't get a fair trial, one, they're not entitled to a fair trial. That's the defendant's uh, charge. So it was ridiculous that the previous judge moved it in the first place. We need to get back to Collin County and get it over with. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting for justice. Uh, we're we're all entitled to a speedy trial. Absolutely. That's our yeah. constitutional right. What's it been now, five it's years? Five, five years. years. It's supposed to, and I'm not slowing up. The, you know, the media reports that I'm slowing up, I want to go forward. I want to get this over with. Well, but you've been fighting, haven't you? I mean, I'm just going to slow it down. I, uh, the, the venue, like where this should be. To keep it back. Yeah. Up, to get it but back. But that's, that's a simple legal question. It's not, uh, we, it's not a hard question. We threw it out there. It hasn't taken up any time, very little time. So is it going back to Collin County, or what's the deal? The judge is uh, going to sign that sometime. 
What is that like in in life? Just walking around with that hanging over you as you're doing your job, and 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 I'm I'm guessing this is getting expensive. It's expensive and it's unfair. I mean, it, no one should have to live with this over their heads for five years. Um, you know, they do it on probable cause, right? I mean, a, a reasonable, and so. It's, it's hard. They don't even have to present evidence when they get an indictment. So you have to live with this. And that's why and there's a constitutional right to a speedy trial, which apparently I'm not going to get. Yeah, You've obviously been in the law for a long time. Has this changed your perspective about the law at all? Absolutely. Just being on that How side so? of it. In what well, way? I have less confidence in the criminal justice system. I mean, that's even as attorney general, really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can go into a grand jury and you don't have to record anything, and then if you happen to lie to the grand jury, if you're the DA and you lie, there's no consequence for that, and there's no remedy for the defendant. Once you get the indictment, you're 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 in trouble, and you're going to have to spend a lot of money and a lot of time defending. And so, there ought to be rules in place for our. We have, I think, one of the worst grand jury systems in the country. There ought to be rules in place that you that that's recorded. That the grand jury, the grand jury is recorded so that which are secret so now. That, so there's yeah, supposedly to protect you from being impugned while you're being investigated. But it turns out doesn't exactly work that way. What it does is it allows for anything to be said. It doesn't have to be true, and it's a very low standard, and suddenly you're indicted, you're spending you know, lots of money. Yeah, the old saying is when you indict a ham sandwich. It's uh, true, wow. because remember, the grand jury doesn't know what's true, and you're, they're not hearing the other side. You're, you're, not, al- you're not allowed to, and, and remember, they're hearing one side, and it can be 100% false, and it's still, there's nothing you can do about it. You're in your second term as attorney general, uh, g- Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott, when he ran for governor, uh, said, uh, you know, his, what was his famous thing? I, I wake up in the morning, I go in, I sue President Obama, and I go home, and I repeat it. What do you think, uh, or what do, what do you want your, your two terms to be remembered for? Well, first term was suing Obama, and it was really defending the Constitution. Did you say that, or did Abbott say that? I thought that was Abbott, wasn't it? That was Abbott. Um, <laughs> but you're adding an addendum there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I sued him 27 times, 27 months. Abbott sued 31 times six, six, uh, six years. I told him I would have passed him if I had another year of Obama. <laughs> but I'm glad we didn't. Um, I think that was critical because what Obama was trying to do was transfer power from Congress, courts, and state states to the executive branch. So people say that Trump's doing the same thing, though. He, that he's ruled by executive decree. No, I mean, if you look at what he's done, what, what, you can do executive orders, but they can't usurp the power of Congress. You can't just make law. And so what Trump is doing is not making law. What Obama's done is made law. And so what we did was we put a stop to that. We're almost out of beer. Hey, that was a good conversation. Uh, Those are some good stories. I I, I didn't know a lot of these things. I I don't know if our listeners on Yolitics knew a a lot of those things either. So thanks for the conversation. Thanks for coming out uh, of the office and coming down here to the subterranean cloak room, which is a fantastic thanks for doing it like, you know, 15 feet from my office. You you might have one of the best offices around here if you're this close to the cloak room. I can't believe you've never been here to have a beer before today. It's true. I haven't. This is the first one. Yes. Wow. With you guys. I saved this great opportunity (laughs) for remembering it with the Jasons, right? Cheers. Cheers. And I'll never drink a Shiner another way again. It's good with orange. Good deal. Who knew? General Paxton, thanks a lot. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, one more reminder about that phone number. We'd love to include you on the next episode of Yolitics. So Jason talked about the phone number to call if you have a question about anything election-related. Super Tuesday especially, since we're closing in on it so fast. Here's the phone number one more time. It's 214-509-8156. 214-509-8156. 
888-888-8156. Give us a call. We're taking questions. We're going to get them answered. And we'll hopefully include you on the next episode of Yolitics. 